this morning as we continue our month of missions um, this week we're talking about the means of grace in prayer uh, God's uh, prayer is God's gift for us and the prayer we'll, we'll be talking about is not the prayer that is a public prayer it's that prayer that you do when you're alone when you're not worried about someone else hearing what you say oftentimes those color our prayer because we want to say really cool things and sound really cool and it just colors our prayer it doesn't make it wrong it just makes us aware that people are around us and our pr prayer today that we're going to look at is in matthew um, I had a difficult time deciding which prayer to think about or which passage of scripture to think about today as we think about prayer. And I really looked at Psalms 23. That's why Pastor Doug read it for us this morning. And Psalms 23 is one of those passages that you can read. It's read in all kinds of situations. Um, it's read, it, we can sing it, probably one day we'll sing it, the Lord willing. But you can also pray it. When you think and read through Psalms 23, it could be a prayer of your heart. And you can never go wrong when you're praying scripture, because that's what God has given us scripture. So how can you be wrong in praying what God has already told us? You can't. And today, we want to begin in Matthew 23. <laughs> Shouldn't have mentioned 23. Probably say it every time now. So, anyway, Matthew chapter 7, 6. I really confused myself this morning. It is pretty funny, Mark. <laughs> If we can't laugh at ourselves, then what are we? <laughs> All right, Psalms, there we go, Matthew. Now, I, I was sitting over there this morning and just reflecting on myself, how inadequate I am to stand before you and proclaim God's word. Seeing we're talking about prayer, we probably should do that now. <laughs> Father, again, we just thank you and we praise you and we honor you that you have given us prayer. We thank you that is a gift of grace that you've given us. that we can communicate with you. You speak to us through your word, and we pour our hearts out to you in prayer. Father, just help us today. Help us to remember that you are our Heavenly Father. 
You're our father. You're our dad. Father, we just thank you and we praise you that we can come to you just like you are, Dad. A close relationship that you hear us and you know what's best. Father, we just thank you for that and we ask that you'd help us now as we look at your word and look at a few thoughts about prayer today that you'd remind us prayers for and father we just thank you and we praise you for that in jesus name amen in matthew chapter five or six we're going to see a framework of prayer a lot of Many congregations around the world recite this prayer every Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with reciting it, but it's a, really a framework to give our prayers some structure that honors and glorifies God. <clears throat> and this prayer, this particular prayer was given to the disciples uh, just as a model, we often talk of it as a model prayer for us. And, and in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So this thing that we're doing called prayer is not something that we do that must be seen or must be heard by men. Verse 6 says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut up thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall re reward thee openly. Praying in a secret place directs your prayer to towards heaven and not towards those around you. Praying in secret removes the outward pressure of making a high-sounding speech to be heard by men. When we're in our closet, we're not worried about someone else that must hear us pray. We only think about God hearing our prayer. Only God can answer prayer. No man that's around us can answer our prayer in the way that God can. Matthew 6, 7 says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard with much speaking. Repeating the same thing over, you know, just muttering something. The word is like babbling. It's just not just using a bunch of worthless, useless words. That's not the way we should pray. 
repeating useless and purposeless words are just useless. Jesus says that we should calmly ask the Father who freely gives those things that we're in need of. So do we, we don't have to sit there in our closet or wherever we choose to pray and just repeat the same thing over and over and over like a chant. Matthew 25, 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall per what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body raiment? The purpose of our life is more than just having a good day. The purpose of a life is more than just having food and water and nice clothes to wear. It is as Jesus often reminds us the purpose of his life. How many times have, do you remember reading Jesus saying, I must be about my father's business. Or I'm here to do the will of the Father. That's the way our prayer should be. Not worrying about what we're going to eat or drink. But worrying about, praying about doing the will of the Father. That's the problem that Israel fell into when they came out of Egypt. They wearied Moses and they wearied God by constantly asking him what are we going to drink what are we going to eat when they should have been asking father for courage for battle that they were going to be facing they should be asking the praying to god asking moses how are we going to fight a battle who's going to train us to fight in battle is God going to be with us in battle? Not about worrying about food and drink. Because God knows you need those things. We don't need to weary him about that. How many times, if you read George Mueller with the orphanage there in England, where he just simply said a prayer about food or drink or money. And before he was finished praying, there's someone at the door knocking. Or as he's going down the street, someone stops him and gives him some money. God knew, God knows what you need. Don't worry about those things. Worry about God's kingdom. They should have been praying how they were going to drive out the enemy. That should be our prayer. To keep the enemy away from us. That should be our prayer that when the devil is looking at us like a lion that's going to devour us, 
courage to keep going. If you remember when we was in Pilgrim's Progress, the lions that were by the gate, one of the gates he, was, he had to go through, the inner entrance of one of the houses he must enter. Those lions were there and they were scary looking lions. But the doorkeeper said, those lions can only go so far. Just come on, stay on the path and you'll be okay. Matthew 6, 8 says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask. Now that food and drink that we might be worried about, God already knows about those things. But then he goes on in verse 9, he says, Pray like this, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Start with knowing who you're talking to. Not only are you talking to the creator of the universe, but you're talking to the one who already knows you need food and water and clothes. You're talking to the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Matthew 7, 11 says, if, if ye then, he's talking about fathers, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to good give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? You know, if one of your kids come to you, parents, and ask you for something, that passage goes on, are you going to give them a scorpion or are you going to give them a snake instead? No. You're going to give them good gifts. You're going to give them things that they need. And that's our Father. That's the Father that we can go to with all our needs. He's the one that can help us through the difficult times of life. It's true that we may do some things, we may do some dumb things and we have to pay for the consequences of those. But we can still go to the Father and He'll give us the grace we need. He'll give us forgiveness that we need for those dumb things we do, those dumb things that we say. Our earthly father knows what to give his children. But coming to our heavenly father in calm assurance that he hears us and he cares for us and knows the things that we need of. Then he goes on and says, Hallowed be thy name. This recognizes the omnipotence and eternal and glorious nature of the one that we're praying to. He's all, he's all powerful. He's all knowing. 
He's eternal. Hallowed be thy name is a reflection of what we should be. He's holy, so we should be holy as well. Matthew 6.10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice here that it does not thy kingdom to come. It says thy kingdom come. There's, we're not living in a time when God is not in control of what's going on around us. It's not a future time that Jesus is going to be the head of the kingdom of earth and heaven and the universe. That time is already here. He is in control of what's going on, even now. We are living in God's kingdom now. We do not live in a realm where God is not the ruler. He is the ruler of our of this kingdom, this place that we call earth. He's ruling in this time we live in. It's not a future time, which he warned us about worrying about in chapter 7. We're living in God's kingdom now. And thy will be done. His will is going to be done. When Israel was coming out of Egypt, nothing that Pharaoh did changed what God's will was. When Nebuchadnezzar was ruling the earth and commanded all the people of the land to worship him, and he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, even though it was his will to put an end to those people that would not worship him, didn't change God's will. He preserved them through the fire. In fact, he was in, Jesus was in there in the fire with him, walking around, unhurt, unharmed. Matthew 6, 7, 6, 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. You know, it's okay to thank God for the bread that he gives us. It's okay. It's okay to ask him for that. But we don't want to make it the purpose of our life. We don't want it to be consuming like our children are when we go on a trip and they, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Five minutes after they eat. The point is here is that we're dependent on God to provide even those things. And God does supply those daily needs. But the daily needs are not the focus of our life. 
While he is satisfying our daily needs, we should be about the furtherance of his kingdom. That's what we should worry about. Those are the things we should think about. Matthew 6, 12 says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God has forgiven us of all our sins. You know, if my spouse could look into my mind and see the things that I think, she would run far away from me. And even now, sometimes she probably wants to. But God has forgiven us of all those things we think and do in our mind. Because I think it was Stephen this morning was praying that God knows all of our thoughts. And he's forgiven us of those. So is it too much for us to forgive some matter, minor, even a major infraction that someone else does to us? Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Our justification is based upon faith. And part of that is that God forgives us of all of our sins. When we turn to Christ in repentance and faith, he forgives part of our justification. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 says, And Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in God. That's our command, have faith in God. When we come to him in prayer, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou moved, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand and pray, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father will also, which is in heaven, forgive you of your trespass. You know, we, we need to... Jesus is using praying about a mountain being thrown in the sea as an illustration that God answers prayer. And if there's a need that fathers the kingdom of God and it needs, that mountain needs to be thrown in the sea, it will be. But God doesn't do all those miraculous things that we think he ought. He answers in that still, small voice. Remember Naaman, when he went before Elijah, Elijah, one of them, he had leprosy and and the prophet come out and said, go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan and you'll be made whole. And he left there mad because he wanted Elijah to come out there and clap his hands and do this great thing. 
and he would be made whole. And he got mad about it. And as he is leaving, he is stomping, and I wanted God to do this great thing. And one of his servants says, you'd have been happy if he'd have done that. But how much more should you just go and do what he said to do? Just go dip seven times in the River Jordan and be made whole. That's how God does our prayers. They're not necessarily this great thing that he's going to accomplish. But he does great things. He accomplishes great things. For those that pray and believe him. In the last verse there, uh, Matthew 6, 13, he says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We know that God doesn't test anyone. James 1.13 tells us that. God doesn't tempt people with evil. But we pray that because we understand our limitations. We ask God to keep us from that place where we could fall into sin. We ask him to keep us away from that area that we're weak in. It could cause us to sin. We're asking him to protect us from those things that could cause us to sin. We're asking God for grace and strength to face the trials in life that we don't sin. We read in Pilgrim's Progress that he faced many trials in life, but he was delivered in those trials. It doesn't mean he didn't get beat up on the way. He didn't have wounds on the way. But in that time of temptation, God delivered him through it. Being delivered does not mean you did not go through the trial. It means that you came, you came through it or you come through it. In the same way, we do not ask to be tested, but rather in the test, we do not fall to sin. We come through the test having learned. Now there's something that God wants us to learn in every test, every trial. The prayer closes in a powerful doxology. For thine is the kingdom, speaks of the Father, who provides for us. And the power speaks of Jesus' atoning atonement for our justification. And the glory speaks of the indwelling Holy Spirit that helps us. We see in this framework of prayer keeps us from praying for things outside of the purposes of, of God. This prayer, the framework of this prayer kind of hems us in so that we pray according to the purposes of God. And I want to encourage you this week to just think about this prayer when you are praying alone, when, when you're faced with that trial that 
you didn't expect. Or it seems like the kids forget how to get dressed and you have to help them. There's that time that you just need strength. Remember that Hebrews, book of Hebrews, tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive help in our time of need. Let's stand. If you're here today and you don't think your prayers get past the tops of these oak trees here, just examine yourself. Are you in, are you in Christ today? Are you in the faith? Just take a moment and ask yourself that. Ask God to show you, are you in the faith today? And if he shows you that, just do what you need to do. Turn to Christ in repentance and faith. Even if you've done it a thousand times before, it's good to be reminded that that's where we are. We're in the gospel every day. We need the gospel. So let's pray. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you for all that you do. We thank you for the gift of grace, the means of grace that you've given us to pray. We thank you that you hear our prayers. You hear us. You know our name. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Father, we ask that if there's any here today that hasn't come to you in repentance and faith, Father, we ask that you just call them, burden their heart, and bring them to the end of themselves and help them trust you today. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So please remain standing for our last song. God on the mountain.